Welcome to Pair at the Point, the Pittsburgh Penguins podcast of the Faceoff Hockey Network. Follow us on Twitter at Pair at the Point and at the FHN. Visit thefhn.net for daily hockey articles and casts. All right, welcome to October. Uh, hockey is back, and we just want to give our thoughts on the end of preseason, the final cuts, and the first game. Definitely enthused. I, I was going into opening night pretty confident, actually, and I think my confidence was rewarded. Uh, pens look good. Uh, the team has a little bit of a different makeup. We're a couple bodies down due to COVID and other injuries, but we, uh, we definitely put up a solid opening standing. So the biggest shock for me, I think, before the season started was the final roster. I was not expecting Lafferty to be on it. I, I don't understand. He didn't show anything in preseason. They didn't even mention his name. And then when he made it and then Drew O'Connor got sent down, and I know that was just because, you know, we had to have our 23, but it's still, the fact that Lafferty made the, the, the roster over Drew O'Connor is insane to me. Yeah, I know it's on paper, but, you know, O'Connor obviously made the team uh, through results and, and what he showed. Uh, obviously leaps and bounds of what he showed last year in his 10 games where he, I think he had zero goals, one assist. He added a step. He added uh, weight physically. Uh, his passing was really, really solid. Uh, potted a couple goals, too. So I, he definitely deserved to make the team. And, you know, he was a contributor on opening night. So it, it worked out. But, you know, I expect Lafferty to be waived at some yeah, point. Yeah, but if everyone would have been healthy, he wouldn't have made the team. True. Um, and that, that's crazy to me because he was the biggest standout for me in the preseason. And, like, we, the game we went to, we went to the game against Buffalo a couple weeks ago, and he stood out more than anyone. And we, I mean, we had NHLers on the ice. Yeah, he definitely uh, has something special. Uh, I think he could be a really solid third liner in this league. Uh, I, I definitely wasn't sold on him uh, based on limited viewings last year, but... He he definitely impressed. He definitely earned a spot. And, and you I don't can tell he showed up to camp prepared, ready to go, and he worked very hard. And I I just think even though he technically, you know, was on the opening night roster, sending him down just on paper, I don't know. That would be a slap in the face if I were if I were him. Yeah, me. I mean it definitely doesn't feel good. And you know, I think I think a lot of people felt the same way about Zahorna, and he's still down there. Uh, we can talk about that, I guess, right now. So Zahorna obviously played very well throughout the preseason. He looked great last year in his in his limited time. He is a big body center. Uh, was doing really good work down low. Won a ton of ton of board battles. Was playing fine defensively, and they decided to send him down for more seasoning. And not only did they send him down. They sign Brian Boyle, who's, you know, ultimately taking his spot on the roster. And that's just crazy to me. I mean, now I, I feel stupid saying this because Brian Boyle got a goal. But, why, like, I just don't get why we need Brian Boyle. I understand we have center issues right now, but Sid's so close to coming back. He's traveling with the team. We have Zahorna. 
you know, we have Rodriguez, we have Bluger. I, I just don't think we needed Brian Boyle. And now my question is, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago, what happens to Brian Boyle when everyone's healthy? Yeah. I, it's not right. It's not right that we would sign him and then what, what's going to happen? Yeah, I think he'll get waived at some point. Yeah, and that's, that's really not, that's not great. Like, that's not great management. That's not good for him as a person. That's not good for his family if he, if he clears waivers and goes to Wilkes-Barre. It's just not great. It's, the whole situation makes me unhappy with, with the management. I can definitely understand that. On the plus side of all of these moves, and maybe the rationale behind all of them, you got Zahorna, Legare, Poulin with a ton of time in their top six down there to go tear it up. Legare in particular started off great. I think he's going to put up some serious uh, chances down there. I, I don't know how quick he'll start lighting the lamp, but I expect him to be... Uh, gaining confidence as he goes. He's already scored in preseason. Their first game is uh, this Saturday on the, what is it, the 16th. So we'll definitely be following them because this is probably the best team we'll experience just in a, in a long time, probably since like 15, 16. Before, you know, that rest Gensel group came up, this is definitely, I think, the best. They've been very slim down there for a couple of years. And I think that, you know, it's going to stay pretty, pretty healthy down there for a while. And I don't know who said it, but, you know, Bellarive and Hollander uh, are the other two I'd really watch. Depending on how injured we get with the forward core, they could both get call-ups this year as well. Uh, Bellarive in particular, I think, is a spark plug. He's a little bit older. I think he's going to be ready uh, to, to really plug into the third line, fourth line role. I think he's potentially one of those guys that can come up and maybe won't go back down, at least not for a long time. He just... He Obviously, just, depending on injury situations later down the line. I don't think his scoring touch is going to be as extreme as it was in junior, but I do think he's going to be able to, I don't know, feel like a Tyler Kennedy-type role where he's just an energy player you're able to slot in, who has some decent hands, and is able to just work down low and create. And I, I, I'm still enthusiastic about him. I know I said maybe we pour one out because he was so low on everybody's totem pole, but he, he earned some stripes there towards the end of the preseason. So as expected, Zach Aston Reese isn't back. He didn't travel with the team. Jake Gensel did travel with the team, and so did Sidney Crosby for, for their, little, um, their little Florida trip. Uh, they, I think Gensel is definitely playing tonight, so he'll be playing game two. Uh, Sid is not playing, so he just traveled to practice with the team. But yeah, I think Sid will be back probably, if not Saturday, I, maybe next Tuesday. But um, Gensel definitely will be back, so I'm excited to see him tonight. But I think the more exciting thing for me was game one without Jake Gensel, because I thought... Danton Heinen was really great. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what he can do offensively. He has an interesting set of skills, and I'm not sure how they're going to slot into this team going forward because I feel like he's going to be one of those players that's going to get shuffled from line to line throughout. However, I could see him 
being able to slot in on the first or the third line and uh, do so with relative e efficacy. I really think he's got decent hands. Uh, he's a bigger size body, and he has shown he can score in the past. So if he could put up 20, 25, that'd be phenomenal. You also predicted him to score the first goal, and he did. I did, and I thought I was going to get some vodka out of it from the guys at uh, Spit and Chicklets, but unfortunately they did not send any my way. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I called that one. I just had a feeling him playing with Carter up on that top line that he was – going to be uncovered and sure enough he was well and speaking of carter he looks amazing he doesn't look slow he doesn't look old i i think that you know he also came into camp ready and it'll be interesting to see how he lasts for a full 82 game season it's been a long time since they've played that many games but as of right now i i think he looks really great and at some point when he is our 3c He's going to be a super solid 3C. I wonder if he's going to shift to wing at some point and they're going to allow, I don't know, if they're going to allow someone else to play the center role and let him go back to his natural position at wing. But he's, he's performed so well at center, it really doesn't matter either way. He does. He, he, he looks ageless, and I know people have joked about it. And, you know, his... His hot streak towards the end of last season, uh, once he was acquired from the Kings, wasn't it wasn't a fluke. He's for real. He uh, he's not going to put up you know thirty five goals in the season, but he might put up twenty five. He's and he's a decent package defensively. He's able to create plays down low. I, I just like what he brings. I, I think he also has a bit of leadership there, quiet leadership, but. It's nice to have a couple of veterans around who've, you know, won a couple championships who are a little outside the core of the group and they're still bringing something unique and, and uh, different to the locker room. So the other thing that I really noticed on uh, Tuesday's game was the way that our forwards were playing so well defensively. And during the game, I had said, you know, all five, all five people on the ice are doing the same thing. They're all, you could tell that they, you know, all have the same mentality. They're all playing the game the same way. And I think that's something we've struggled with the last couple of years. And right after the game, Sullivan said the exact same thing in his press conference that, you know, you have all five players that are, they're buying in and they're playing the same way and they're all playing defensively. And you know, our defense looked really great, but even more so, our forwards looked really great defensively. And I think that's going to be the key to success this season if those forwards can keep playing well defensively. You know, their puck pursuit was just as heavy in the defensive and neutral zones as it was in the offensive zones, which, which, which is really important. They had uh, active sticks. There were a million pucks that felt like they were deflected uh and made harmless. So Jerry really didn't have too much testing because of that back, back pressure from uh, the forwards. And they didn't extend their shifts. They were quick on their, uh, on their changes. I, I thought they were just a really well-coached team. I know Josh he put out a, uh, an article about, you know, some of the, of the Sullivan mentality uh, when they've been facing injury and why they've been so successful. 
I, I do think that this is something that goes back even beyond Sullivan uh, into the Bilesma days. They've always been a good team when they've been shorthanded. Uh, when Crosby or Malkin are out, they're, they're winning, uh, their record is, is a winning one. So I don't know if that's just an organizational mentality of next man up or you know, whether or not maybe maybe we've always just emphasized a gritty, defensively responsible game and we get away from that once the stars are in. I don't know. It's a double-edged sword because you want Crosby and Malkin in, but uh, we've, we've always ro- risen to the occasion uh, when, when they've been out. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where we wouldn't want it for an entire season, but I'm glad that we're able to be successful in these like smaller chunks of games that you know we have to play when our stars are injured. And just I just didn't think with Crosby, Malkin, and Gensel, and Czar, really, with all of them out, that we'd be able to, like, take it to Tampa. And I know a lot of it is, you know, when you raise your banner, you're not there mentally. You're not ready for game time. We, we experienced that when we raised our banners. And I think most teams do. But they were, I think, at a different level of lifelessness. And I think it's because we, we tired them out really quickly in, in that game. And then I think in the second and third, we did lull them to sleep up until the last couple of minutes. They just, their energy was gone. Once we got up a couple of goals, we, we just didn't make mistakes. I liked how good our, our puck protection was. I didn't, I didn't feel like we were making many insane cross-ice passes. I felt like there was a responsibility to our game that had been missing in, in many regular season games of, of, of years past. So Cooper's decision to pull the goalie with like six minutes left, do you think that that's something we're going to see more of? No. Do you I, think we'll see more of it with him? Maybe. I mean, because they, they, he's able to put out such a talented group of forwards that maybe he, he will be the one to do that, just like Wad did, I don't know, seven, eight years ago with the Avalanche. But at the end of the day, I mean, you just there's diminishing returns. You can only have so many shifts out there before your got your top guys are burnt. Well, it was also interesting because I think if he would have you know done it, they score, and then he would have played a couple more minutes five on five, they would have had a chance to score again. They would but have kept ins- the momentum. Yeah, but instead he pulled his goalie again, and that's when we got the first of the three empty netters. But it's just something you know interesting to think about that, you know, it potentially could have worked, I think, if he would have done it just a little bit differently. Maybe he'll learn from that mistake and try to utilize it more. I think that's a good point, because I think if you sense that the other team is on their back foot, they've just had an extended shift, and you're down multiple scores, it makes sense within 10 minutes to pull the goalie and try to get one back. But just one. But just one. And then if you do get it, or you don't, then you go back to playing five and five and try to hang on to that momentum uh, that you just produced. Right. And then maybe pull again with, you know, two minutes left, yeah. two and a half minutes left if you're down by two. I mean, honestly, I don't care even if you're playing in the offensive zone the whole time. You can't go beyond a minute, minute 10 uh, in today's NHL on a shift. You just can't. So pulling beyond two minutes, even with a timeout uh, in between there to try to give your guys a break. It just doesn't work. So, I mean, like, two minutes, 20, two minutes, 30 is really the soonest you should be seeing goalies get pulled. Unless you're going for, like, 
uh, you know, a Hail Mary, like like you had mentioned. The other thing I wanted to talk about as a standout for me, and I'm interested to see if you have the same thoughts, uh, was Bluger and Simone together on a line. Yeah. I, I loved it. I thought it looked great. Uh, I think they play a similar defensive game. And I'm conflicted because I really like Bluger and Aston Reese. But I really liked Simone up there. I think it's interesting that you call that out because both are, you know, analytical darlings. and But so is Czar. <laughs> true. And, you know, they're able to think the game in a way that isn't two-dimensional. A lot of the game now is about puck possession, winning uh, battles, and creating high-danger chances when you are in zone. And both of those players are intelligent about what they do without the puck. And when they're on uh, offense or defense, they're, they're thinking three steps ahead. They are very cerebral, both of them. So it is a nice, it is a nice mesh there. And I do think that they both played on their toes in, in game one. It's a limited sample, but I, I definitely want to see more. Yeah, I agree. I, I think... Zar will give them a couple more chances because I, I don't think he's coming back for at least a couple more games. He, like I said, he didn't travel with the team, and I know he had experienced some minor COVID symptoms. So that, I'm sure, takes a little while to come back from after being sick when you're an athlete and have to be able to use your lungs at full capacity. So we will get to see that a little bit more, which is exciting. I'm interested to see if it was just, you know, a flash or if, you know, it's something they can sustain for, for multiple games. I mean, Simone looked great all preseason. He yeah. looked like he hadn't missed a beat. There's a lot of Simone haters out there, and I sort of understand because I wasn't a huge Simone hater when he was on our team the last time, but I was frustrated that they played him so much with Sidney Crosby. And I know their defensive numbers were really good, but I just, and I know he has some of the best, Crosby has some of the best numbers when he's playing with Simone, but it was just boring. And so I didn't, I wouldn't say I hated having Dominic Simone on our team. I was just sometimes frustrated with the way he was utilized, but I was happy when he, when we decided to take him back because, you know, I think he's a little older and I think it looks like he may have found a little bit more of his scoring touch. And he knows he knows our system. He's an easy, you know, person to slot in. And with with some of the changes with losing Tanev and losing McCann, it was nice to get someone back who already knows how to be a Pittsburgh Penguin. Agreed. I I always thought that there was untapped potential there. I think he gets maligned for his hands and his finishing ability probably more than he deserves. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he doesn't want to take those low-danger chances on net. He's one of those players who, again, is, is thinking in a very uh, 2020 mindset as to how am I going to create the best opportunities. And if it's not the best opportunity, I'm going to wheel around one more time to look for a better one. And, that, yeah, for some people that's boring. But, again, when you look at some of the analytical numbers that his line put up with Crosby, it's, like, ridiculous. I'm interested to see if he will play with with Crosby when everyone's back. People are going to hate me for it, but I, I think he will. And I, I think they're going to want to keep one of Gensel or Rust with Jeff Carter 
um, at least until Malkin gets back. So I think that will leave an opening for him. I don't know if they're planning on, I don't know what they're planning on doing. They, there's a lot of options, which is kind of a new thing. I feel like last year, the lines, we kind of always knew what they were going to be. And this year, I, I think there's a lot of really good plug-and-play players. Yeah, and it's it's easier, especially because Sullivan always, in my opinion, puts himself at a disadvantage by refusing to line match up until the playoffs. By doing so and having your line static, you really give your opponent an advantage. But because now anybody could really play with anybody, it doesn't matter as much what the opponent is doing in terms of forecasting how to, how to match up against I mean, it. also, like, for example, on, on Tuesday, you had three different lines shutting down Steven Stamkos. And I think that's really going to be beneficial to us in the future if you have every type of player on our team playing superstars every night. They're going to be more prepared for the playoffs. I agree. And, and in the case of injury, they're going to be more prepared. I just hope that he shows a willingness to move away from line combinations that aren't working on the nights that when they're not working. And that should, that's been a real, it's a polar opposite of what Bosman used to do back in the day, where he would literally change the lines every two seconds. And you couldn't get chemistry that way, and you couldn't get a mojo going in-game. Sullivan does that a little bit, too. He was a little better with it last year, but... I, I see. I, I, I think Sullivan is very... Once his, once his lineup card is set for the night, I feel like he doesn't change it until well, they're down at least three no, goals. Yeah, in-game, he doesn't really change it. I'm just talking about in general. He seems to switch things up a lot, unless it's Sid and the kids. You know, ultimately... He likes his pairs. I think that's what yeah. I even said. Yeah, you're right about that. He, he'd even said something to that effect in, in an interview on offseason that, you know, he likes to have duos. And I understand where he's coming from. Chemistry's hard to come by in, in the modern NHL uh, because you do get to play with so many different players and injuries are common. But I, I do like the idea of having a highly variable lineup which you can adapt to any situation that that is an advantage so lastly i want to talk about the defense from the game the other night so in particular i think chris letang and john marino looked absolutely phenomenal chris letang looked like the best he's ever looked i think and John Marino looked back to like two years ago, John Marino, so calm, so cool, uh, in the right space. I mean, also way more aggressive than last year, which I really liked. Uh, yeah. And I mean, he was playing with Patterson, correct? Uh, yeah. And yeah. So the fact that he looked so good playing with Marcus Patterson, who everyone's probably aware by now, we're not huge fans of, really impressed me. Pedersen looked fine too. Honestly, his active stick looked better than I had remembered it. Uh, and I think part of that goes goes to show that our game is more effective against teams that aren't going to try to hit you through a wall. This is why we've struggled with the Capitals and the Islanders. Well, I'm hoping late. the the new cross check penalty calling is going to help with that a little bit because so many of the hits that we do receive are illegal cross checks. So I, I think that's going to really, really benefit us and really hurt other teams that, that do that. But yeah, I just, I, th- I think our defense as a whole looked really solid. Even like Dumoulin, who didn't look good at all in, in preseason, 
looked really good. Yeah, he looked fine. Yeah. It it makes me wonder, though. It really does. Watching that... Watching a less physical team really get shut down often by us. Uh, it makes me wonder, man, if we had just had a better draw in one of the opening rounds the last three years, maybe we would have yeah. had a slightly better fate. Yeah, I think we can. it's safe to say at this point the Islanders are the worst team, the worst matchup for us. It, and, yeah, it, may, it really makes you think if we would have played, I think, any other team, especially this past season, any other team, and we, we would have won. But you also have to realize Tristan Jerry. But, like, Pedersen— We would have, I think, lost any series if he played the way he played. But, in general, our play was very good last season. And I think any other team, we would have had much better chance. Pedersen and Marino, in particular, last year, did not have any physical element to them. I mean, Marino would step up four hits, but he was on the receiving end of a lot of brutality. And, I don't know. I, I just really think that had that pairing not— had to go up against a Sezikis Clutterbuck uh, line that, you know, maybe they would have done all right. And it's just one of those what if situations. If we didn't have a divisional format, we didn't have a COVID shortened season. What what could have happened? I don't know. But yeah, the early results of the defense are great. They definitely insulated Jerry. Jerry looked. I think I think props to him. In our first episode, we absolutely tore him apart, and he deserved every bit of it. <laughs> But yeah, he looks pretty good. He looks fine. And I, I really And I think a couple games where we play really defensively and he makes some routine saves and he gets a couple wins under his belt helps him tremendously. I liked I liked his control. I thought he had the control that we saw when he was all star Jerry for a couple months. Where he was at the top of his crease. His I mo- still can't believe he made the all star game. His movements were just very tight and you know, he he just doesn't look flappable. When he's on, he does look calm. And I, I appreciated that. Uh, his his rebound control was great. Uh, he put well, up- like we've said in the past, he almost looks too calm, too nonchalant, too much like he doesn't care. But that yeah. helps him when he's on. Agreed. It does. You know, it's a fine line between diving at everything uh, like Flurry was early in his career or standing there like a statue. You know, you want to be engaged and you want to uh, be involved in the play and, and ducking around screens, but you also uh, want to be in control. So fine line. I think uh, the goalie coach, Kyoto, I think he's done a decent job so far. Uh, so one game is a little too early to say, but can't do much worse. Yeah, it, def- it definitely made us excited. For me, Seth expected them to win. I was a little more surprised, pleasantly surprised. It was a really great game. It was it was good to just see regular season hockey again with fans. And we're really looking forward to that, the boys coming back home. Uh, I guess Saturday is their first home game against Chicago. And then Tuesday they play the Stars. We'll be at Tuesday's game. So you can check out our Twitter. I'm sure we'll have some things to say. And then you also check out uh, our episode with Chicago, the FHN's Chicago podcast. We will be guest starring, I guess, on their episode about Saturday's game. So we're just going to talk about our offseason, their offseason. Marc-Andre Fleury, I'm sure, will be a big topic of conversation. 
and then how we kind of foresee Saturday's game going as well as the season. So you can check that out as well on their Twitter. And you can go to our Twitter and you can rib me for not placing a bet on a parlay for a Penguins win and mm-hmm. over and a Danton Heinen and first goal because right now I'd be sitting on about five grand if I. Yep, but for now <laughs> we're just going to stick with our day jobs. So that is everything for us this week. Uh, you could check us out as always, Pair at the Point on Twitter or the FHN. And then the FHN.net is where our podcasts live. And you can check all of them out there from now until back when we left the playoffs. So I think that's it. Bye. Bye.